0: Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Amen. Amen. He inhabits the praises of his people. And uh, if ifin, you have a Bible, we're in the 28th chapter of the book of Genesis. I've entitled this message, God's Ladder. Here a couple months ago, I was out trimming trees. I was impersonating a herberist. Isn't that what they call them? Is that what they call him? Yes. Any tree trimmers in the house? And um, I, I, my wife was asking me kind of as I was putting my ladder up and I was stretching her out there. I think it's a 16 or 18 footer. And I was stretching her out there and my wife was kind of questioning me on what I was doing. And I had a chainsaw in one hand and, and I put my foot up on that first rung and she goes, What are you doing? I said, I'm gonna go trim this tree. She said, You're gonna die. <laughs> so, so I get up there and I'm on that top run. Now, while I was down with one foot on the ground and one foot up, I was, I was pretty secure. But as I started climbing that ladder, the higher I got, the more unstable that ladder kind of got. We kind of got to waving a little. And not the kind that you sing kumbaya to either. The pucker factor was really high. <laughs> You've heard of that one, right? But that's kind of like the Christian life, right? As you, as you meet Jesus and you kind of have one foot on the ground and one foot up that ladder, you're pretty secure. But once you start climbing, you're thinking, I'm going to die. And actually, he's called us to that. Amen? Jesus has called us to die. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to look at, at some of the dying of, of uh, Rebecca and Isaac and Ishmael and, excuse me, uh, Jacob and Esau as we look at this chapter in chapter 28. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that is, is alive and it's powerful and it speaks life to us. It seems like we can read it so many times, Lord, and it just speaks truth uh, to our hearts every time. And it seems to get more rich as time goes on, Lord. And in the days in which we live, Lord, may we find ourselves, uh, Lord, looking up and 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 uh, exerting ourselves towards the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so I ask that you would come and be um, amongst us, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Take us all deeper, Lord. We need to go deeper with our God. We need to be the people that you have called us to be and in, in occupying in, in a, a, a powerful way, Lord, because you're coming soon. And uh, it's evident. It's evident of who you are and it's evident of who mankind is, especially those without you. So, Lord, speak to us as we look at, uh, at this way um, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, well, let's just start off. We'll read the first five verses here of chapter 28 in the, in the book of Genesis. Uh, we, we've been looking at the dysfunction of Isaac and Rebekah and Esau and Jacob, and um, it, it, it continues a little bit, but they, they start seeing through the fog here. Um, As we go along, and it's it's obvious that God's hand is in the middle of it. And so in verse one it says, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him, and charged him, and said to him, You shall not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padam, Aran, and to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife. "'From there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. "'May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful "'and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples "'and give you the blessing of Abraham "'to you and your descendants with you, "'that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, "'which God gave to Abraham.' So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padam-Aran, to uh, Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. And so here, Rebekah had made the suggestion, you remember, to send him away because, mainly because his bro was hot, and he was going to kill him, uh, little brotherly love, not, right? And so um, that was the main reason, but also you remember clear back in the end of chapter 26 when it says that Esau's wives, because they were Canaanites, were a grief to them, that their hearts were broken, that Esau uh, had chose to just follow the flesh and marry the first thing that came along. And so... They uh, agreed that they didn't want to have the dual grief of both sons marrying Canaanite women, and so uh, Isaac uh, jumped right on board with Rebekah, and um, her suggestion was sufficient to convince Isaac to take action. Uh, he accepts the fact that, obviously, as he looks back and, and his, his missing or, as we talked about, ignoring God's will, he's realizing now that God is right in the middle of all of these goings-ons, right? God's right in the middle of it. I heard this week a, a fella uh, say these words. He says, God is never bound by our intentions and always goes beyond our intentions, Right? God's not bound by what you intend to do, even if you intend to do it in his name. He's not bound by that. God's going to do what he's going to do. Our job is to come into line and into the current of what God's doing. That's our job. And, uh, and so often we want to tell God what to do. But Isaac is obviously overwhelmed that, oh, wow, God is in this. God has, has really called the the younger to rule over the elder and the elder to serve the younger. And, uh, and this thing uh, that, that the spirit had told Rebekah is true. And um, so Isaac realizes now that Jacob is the real heir of the promised to Abraham. He, uh, he therefore calls his son and charges him not to take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, but to go to his family there in Padan Aram. And, uh, and take a wife of the daughters of Laban, his mother's brother. He didn't want Jacob to do what Esau did. And it's as though Esau did this with no regard uh, for his family. Um, and so then follows the patriarchal benediction, the blessing, right? Remember, God promised the blessing to Abraham. Abraham blesses Isaac, and now Isaac extends that blessing to not just Jacob, but all of his descendants, all of them. And uh, if I'm a, a descendant of Jacob, I am thanking the Lord, right, for his blessing. Uh, notice it says, uh, it, the God, it says God Almighty. Actually, in the, in the Hebrew, it's El Shaddai, which means the all-powerful one. Uh, he is invoked upon, this is the title actually of God. And we see it clear back in Genesis chapter 17 when the Lord's talking to Abraham. El Shaddai is the one who who speaks to him. And um, so the blessing is a prayer that God would make him faithful and multiply him according to the blessing of Abraham. The same blessing that came upon Abraham is now upon Jacob. And he's a stranger in the land. Even Jacob doesn't uh, occupy the land like they do today. But those are all his descendants, right? We, Jacob, we, I actually could have, could have, you know, titled this message The Making of Israel because Jacob is Isra- Israel. And, and people, you know, people went, well, why, why would you guys stand with Israel? Israel's not good. Well, I don't stand with Israel because Israel's good. I know Israel's not good. Nor am I. Didn't Jesus say there is none good? No, not one. But God. God's good. I stand with Israel because God loves Israel. And I'm supposed to love what God loves. And I'm supposed to hate what God hates. Is it people groups? You know, the Bible says something really interesting in the Psalms. And I'm still trying to get my head around it. It says that God is angry with the wicked every day. Well, what does that say about us, right? I know I have a wicked heart, but I think God is angry with the deeds of the wicked every day, that God can, can truly compartmentalize deeds from the person or the soul, the soul that sins shall surely die. And Jesus warned about dying in your sins. You don't want to do that. You want to turn from that. You want to repent and be right with God. And I believe that today, God is still angry with the wicked. Every day. And sometimes that's you and me. So it's important to stay uh, walking close to the Lord. Um, So Isaac actually finishes his life with this blessing. Well, not really, because he lives another 40 years. But we don't hear anything else about Isaac. This is like, this is the last blessing. Good thing that he does is passing this blessing on to his son. Is that enough? Absolutely. Passing a blessing on to your children, is that enough? I believe it is. I believe it's enough. Because that is the possibility, no guarantees, right? That is a possibility that that next generation will grab a hold of who Jesus is and live for him. And like John said, you know, I have no greater joy than that my children walk in truth. And so when I hear truth coming out of my children's mouth, it's just like, we didn't totally destroy them. We tried, right? Uh, I remember hearing my daughter, you know, she was given this little update on when her her husband had uh, been diagnosed with, uh, our son-in-law had been diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. They gave him six to 18 months to live. And the Lord had saw them through that. That was 10 years. And uh, now they got three babies. That was 10 years ago. And, and the many of you prayed for them and we're so thankful, but my daughter's sitting there and she's giving this little update on it. She says, you know, we have a great support system. I have great parents and my husband have great, and and me and Connie are listening to this and I I elbow her, I go, did you hear that? She said, we're great parents. (laughs) Who has pulled the wool over her eyes, right? That's what you want right You want your kids to be blessed by you and and so often your kids are offended by you and 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 then you have to learn how to ask for forgiveness. not about you, but the greatest mileage I've ever got with my children is asking them to forgive me for where I have blown it and so so he blesses them and and they're there is a goodness in Israel simply because God's hand is upon them. And, and you see the contrast here. About three weeks ago, I saw a little blurb of a, the, the Israeli soldiers as they're going through Gaza and, you know, eliminating all the terrorists. They come in contact with a little four-year-old Palestinian girl. And she's dehydrated. She's beaten and bruised and... And the Israeli soldiers take her, they give her an IV, they hydrate her, they bandage all of her wounds, and they give her care. Contrast that what Hamas did to the little girls. They abducted. They raped them. Right? They, they, they put babies in ovens. And this is documented, right? This isn't just a sensationalization of what happened. This, that's what happened. The contrast is pretty powerful, right? And though I don't believe Israel is good, I do believe that God's hand is on Israel. And, and that's why I would, I would stand with Israel. God's doing a work. God's fulfilling the promise that he made this boy Jacob through his father Isaac. God's fulfilling that. He's bringing that to pass. He's making that happen. And he makes it happen in our life as we walk by faith and not by sight. So we see no other great deeds that, that uh, Isaac does from here on out. Some think that it's, it's um, a quiet life um, because of his sin. Others think that, hey, the boys are gone. Hey, honey, it's just me and you. Let's sit back and, you know, drink a spot of tea and take it easy. We don't know for sure, right? But, but we don't have a lot of recording of Isaac's life after this. He's, he's mentioned the least of the three because it's always the people or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And um, Abraham and Jacob, we learn more about than what we learn about, about Isaac, So. In verse 6, it goes on and says, But Esau saw, that's a tongue twister, Esau saw, that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Also, Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac, so Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Majod, something like that, Nabajoth, to his wife in addition to the wives he had. So here's Here's Esau, he's seeing this was all, he's still kind of jockey for position, right? No doubt he's still all butt hurt because of the blessing. And he maybe wants to be in good standings with his dad, so he's going to his, his dad's half-brother. But if he knew anything about the spiritual reality of who Ishmael is, he surely wouldn't have done that. But we know that Esau is spiritually blind. He don't see it. He don't see any of it. And so he goes to Ishmael. Well, maybe it's a family thing, right? He's sending him to mom's family. Maybe I'll go to his family, and dad will bless me again too. Or it could be that Esau is just being a jerk, right? He's just being a punk, knowing what he's doing would maybe bring a wedge between him and his, his parents. Esau's hard. You met people like that? They're just hard. They just let their heart get hard and they just stay there. And nobody wants to be around them, right? Nobody likes being around somebody who's grumpy and hard all the time and just critical. And, and uh, the Bible talks a lot about that, actually, Proverbs 13, 15 says, good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. When you're unfaithful to the Lord, your heart gets hard. And, and Esau is not having any of it. Proverbs eighteen nineteen, a brother offended, which Jacob offended Esau, is harder to win than a strong city and contentions are like the bars of a castle. Have you been offended lately? Do you know how to let it go? Can you just let the Lord just put a a healing salve over your heart and just let that go? And begin to pray about the situation and just give it to the Lord? And let him bring a a peace? Because he will. In, In your heart, you can't make somebody accept your forgiveness, right? You can't convince them of that. All you can do is present a, an apology or a seeking of forgiveness and restoration and then let the chips fall where they may. That's hard sometimes. Because sometimes people just aren't ready for it. Lastly, Proverbs 21, 29 says, A wicked man hardens his face, but as for the upright, he establishes his way. Esau. Esau. What a guy. The Expositor's Bible says this. Esau will not do precisely what God requires, but something like it. He will not entirely give up the world and put God first in his life, but he will try to meet some of God's wishes by a little alteration in his conduct. Instead of renouncing sin, he will cover it with the glory of small virtues. But it is one thing to conform to the outward practices of God's people. It is quite another to be thoroughly and truly godly at heart. Men of the Esau type may attend the house of God and join in its service. But at heart, they are essentially without God and regardless of his claims on their lives. That's kind of like putting your foot on that first rung. And never taking your foot off the ground, right? Put on a show, say praise the Lord, but in your heart. And you know, the one thing about people's hearts is we never know what's there. Now, you listen to them talk long enough, sometimes you find out what's there. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks, So it's hard to tell. Esau's actually kind of pretty good at playing a game. And it appears like he's playing one here. In verse 10, it says, Now Jacob went out of Bathsheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder would set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and of the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Two more verses. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I said, I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob here has his first encounter with the Lord. And uh, it seems to have an impact. Have you uh, recalled that first encounter with the Lord that you've had? I did, as I was reading this, I'm thinking, oh, I remember. I remember my very first encounter with the Lord. I was nine years old. And I experienced the presence of God at nine years old. And I knew that the Lord was knocking on the door of my heart. There's a Baptist preacher. Oh, them Baptists, they can preach now. Let me tell you something. They can preach about hell. And the fires of hell. And this guy was preaching about hell and it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> Never forgetting. Brother Jack Johnson uh, got acquainted with him even after I got uh, totally surrendered to the Lord. But but I remember that day. And I went up to him after that message. They gave an invitation. I didn't, I was too scared to go with the invitation. Don't be as scared to come at the invitation, okay? Just do it. Uh, I was too scared, and so, but I went up to him afterwards and I pulled on his suit coat and I said, Brother Jack, I don't want to get hate. go to hell. Can I get saved? He said, you bet, son. Come with me. So he took me in this little prayer room off to the side. Little. Barely two of us. Fit two of us on our knees. That's how little it was. You know how when you're, when you're young and you go into a building and it's like it's all big? And then when you're 30, you go into the same building and go, wow, this thing is small. But it was big that day, and Pastor Jack got down on his knees, and he said, all right, son, you pray after me. And he led me in the sinner's prayer. I remember that. Like it was yesterday. I mean, it was was impactful. Then I remember having an experience again when I was 14. Then I I remember again having an experience with the Lord when I was 20. And then a great big one when I was 23. God will just keep showing up. He keep giving you opportunities to have an experience with him. Now is it about the experience not necessarily. It's about the commitment. When you hear the Lord speak to your heart and you don't do anything about it, there's a little bit of a hardness that starts coming over your heart. The Bible says today if you hear the Lord's voice, do not Harden your heart as they did in the rebellion. And what, would, what the Bible goes on to say that all their carcasses were scattered in the wilderness because they hardened their heart when they knew they could have humbled themselves before God and they didn't do it. And so Jacob here meets God and um, he's alone. This is so unlocked, right? Jacob's going to get his wife, right? Get him a wife. So unlike how his, his dad got his wife, right? You know, Abraham sends this entourage, right, with these servants and this main servant and these camels and, and gifts and sends them all to the same place. Not Jacob. He's running for his life. You know, we all got different testimonies, right? Hopefully the result is all the same. But we all got different ways that God gets a hold of us. I was talking to my boy about this one day, and you know, because I look at my kids sometimes and just think, you guys don't have a clue. Uh, you know, what I went through in my life. But as my son was sharing with me, just being my son was a struggle for him, right? And I don't know if it's because people compared us. Or people thought because I had a position in a church and people looked at my life, that his life was looked at all the time and compared, right? Compared to me, compared to Jesus, right? This is Scotty Brown's boy. He needs to have all the answers. He, he needs to quote all the Bible verses. That was just a, such a frustration. And, and for preacher's kids, that's tough because everybody's looking at them. And I wasn't really in the spotlight because I was, you know, I was kind of behind the scenes at the school. But but those who were close to us, that's what they expected, right, from my kids. Now, praise the Lord, they all talk to me. They all still come home, right? So that's a plus. (laughs) But Jacob's all alone, he's all by himself. He should probably wonder, and his his thoughts are probably all over the place. Well, I shouldn't. Why did I try to talk him out of his birthright when he was hungry for that bowl of beans? Why did I do that, right? Why did I listen to my mom, right, and put the goat hair on? Why did I do that? Maybe he's thinking, rethinking all of this and and contemplating his own life and his own mistakes. Um, But the Lord shows up. And the Lord's going to show up for every single one of us over and over again in our life. The Lord showed up and showed my wife and I some things this week that were very powerful. And, um, but we have to have a heart that's ready to receive from him. If you harden your heart, that voice gets quieter and quieter. So... His pillow is a stone. He dreams, and he sees a ladder, a stairway to heaven. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon this this ladder. Jacob, maybe for the first time, totally understands that there's a way to heaven. You know there's a way to heaven? So many people. I'm just shocked in today's world how many people that don't know. Hey, there's a way to heaven. There's a way you can get to heaven. I remember one time we we had this horse that just destroyed its leg. I mean, cut it up so bad. And I was young, walking with the Lord. And they take this horse and they lay it down and they're sewing it. The vet's sewing it up. He said, and 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 vets say when when uh, when horsehide t- tears from the top down, it heals much harder and much slower. And so he's sewing this up and he goes, listen, guys, if this thing takes, we're all going to heaven. I thought, well, I wish that was that easy. (laughs) But I had asked Jesus into my heart and I'm thinking, no, it's much simpler than that, right? It's much simpler than that. You cry out to him, right? You confess your sin. You believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Then you're on the ladder. This access between heaven and earth is what all of mankind has been looking for. And you depends on what cultures you go to, right? But you hear all kinds of crazy things you got to do, right? The, 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 the Catholic Jesuits had to, they had to do penance, right? They had to climb these mountains with bags of rocks and do all kinds of wild things to get to heaven, and it's simple. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so these, these messengers, these angels are going to and fro on this ladder. And then he sees God above the ladder. The Lord Almighty is, is, is above the ladder. And he speaks. He speaks. He speaks his covenant, his promise to Jacob. It's a song. You all know it. This land is your land. This land is my land. Yeah. Oh. That's what he that's what he first tells him there, right? Then verse 13, this land is your land. I'm going to give it to you. You're going to have, Jacob, you realize, you know, as, as the Lord speaks things, when he speaks things that aren't yet as though they already are, God's really good at that, right? We just take it for granted because we, why? Because we, we read it in the scripture. But he's saying, your descendants are going to be as the sands of a sea. He doesn't have a wife yet. How can he see that his descendants are going to, it's going to be like the dust of the earth, your descendants, God's word is so incredible, right? That he speaks this as though, as though it's a done deal that to the east and to the west and to the north and to the south, and everybody is blessed. God's promises, God's presence. God's, when, you're, when you are committed, I don't know if you are, most people I don't think are, committed to getting into the presence of the Lord, coming into the presence of the Lord. When you do it on a daily basis, he infuses you with life. People get upset and they get strung out and they are wondering where the Lord's at. So often I have people come to me and and tell me that. A lot of times I ask them, "Are are you pressing in? Are you coming into the Lord's presence on a consistent basis? Because if you do, he will speak to you, right? He'll, he'll keep your heart in a good place. It's not always a comfortable place, but it's a good place. And God's really got Jacob right where he wants him through all this, all these mistakes that he's made. And so the presence of the Lord there in, in uh, verse 15, he says, behold. I am with you. He gives him him, um, four promises. He says, I am with you, which is God's presence. Secondly, he says, uh, it's God's protection. I will keep you. Thirdly, he's uh, uh, preserved by God and will bring you again to this land. He has that hope. God promises him that you're going through. You're going to go in, through this land, out of this land, and then I'm going to bring you back into it. And fourthly, the promise of God to always be with him. I will not leave you till I have done that which I have spoken to you. The Lord always does what he speaks, right? God has to do what he speaks, right? God has to do what He speaks. Because he what? He cannot lie. Isn't that cool? We know somebody that can't lie. Everybody I know I can lie. When I look in the mirror, I see a liar every day when I look in the mirror. Right God cannot lie. And he tells him that. Numbers 23:19 says, "God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent." has he said and will he not do or has he spoken and will he not make it good and yet there's so many people that are constantly questioning god's word i mean really who are you or i to question god's word well i don't believe that well that don't seem fair well i yeah i don't think so you're a fool you're an, well not just a fool you're an idiot if you're challenging God's word all the time. The old saying is true, you guys. God means what he says and says what he means. Titus 1, 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Isn't that cool? God tells you you're, you, can, you're, you can inherit eternal life. It's a true statement. He can't lie. It's gonna happen if you're on the ladder Oh yeah, did I tell you? Jesus is the latter. Oh, We're going to get there in a minute. I might have jumped the gun there a little bit. Hebrews 6, 18 says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Have you laid hold of the hope that is set before you? The person Christ Jesus? You just cling to him. You cling to what he did and who he is. Is that your life? I have a saying that I tell a lot of people when they ask me how I'm doing. I said, I'm, I'm desperate. I'm more des- I'm desperate for Jesus. I'm more desperate today than I was yesterday. And I'm going to be more desperate for him tomorrow than I am today. That's the way to live your life, folks. If you're not doing that, you're missing out. Verse 17 He says there, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. It's like Jacob's kind of missing it here, I think. He's kind of thinking that it's the place where he is. Uh, I, I visited one of them Catholic cathedrals, uh... This week And um, there, was a, there was a group of about 25 people Waiting to confess And they were, they were there with the priest And the priest was kind of sitting far enough away Because I always thought they went into confessionals you know, Some of you Catholic folks Maybe know how that works But I always thought they went into a confessional No, they were out in the main sanctuary Of the cathedral And there was enough distance where they could S-s-s-s-s. Yes, bless me Father for I have sinned Yeah, what would you do? Well, oh, yeah. I was looking at my neighbor's wife and, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they're confessing, but but they're out there confessing. And I'm just like, you have to go to this place and talk to this man to confess your sin? Can't you confess it right where we're at, sitting in your seat? With your heart wide open, Lord, I've sinned, forgive me. He, he We're supposed to call nobody father, right? We're... we're we have a high priest. His name is Jesus. And you can know him. And you can go to him any place, any time. But it's almost, like, it's almost like Jacob's going, like, uh, uh, the Lord's in this place. This is the gate of heaven. And so he names it Bethel. It's, it's the city that is named only second to Jerusalem in all the scripture. And And God actually says that he is the God of Bethel. But he he's he's ignorant enough to think that god is confined confined to a geographical lo, location or a place and he's not he's he's omnipresent he's all everywhere present at the same time and and so he names this place then he pours in verses 18 and 19 It says, then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone where he had laid his head that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. It had been Luz. It's interesting that you, um, the proper pronunciation is Luz, is Luz. It's. It, 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 it's kind of ironic because Jacob actually loses the full effect of what this vision is that he has seen. Because the ladder is truly a person. The ladder that Jacob sees, where the angels of God are ascending and descending, who is actually going to come from his body, right, that is a descendant of Jacob himself, is a person. And obviously, all of you Bible students know that this person is Jesus. Jesus chapter, or excuse me, Jesus. Jesus chapter one. You ever seen that one before? I bet not. John chapter one, verse 51. And he said to him, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man and the Almighty standing Break, comma, quotes, excuse me. And so here's the ladder. The Father is standing above it. The Almighty God, El Shaddai, is standing above the ladder, proclaiming his covenant to Jacob over the top of the ladder. This is the oneness or the unity that we see between the Father and the Son. Remember when when Jesus said his baptism, what did the Father say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when they see Jesus and the Father speaks, what do they say? This is my beloved son. Hear him. Jesus says that latter. How much of him you got? Are you on the first rung or on the top rung? See, the top rung is full of a, a lot of questions, right? It's full of a, a, a lot of questions. And it's uncertain. And it seems to be waving back and forth. It's, it's, like, it's like death is really close up there on that top rung, where you're, you're almost to heaven, you're just not there yet. Maybe that's why Paul told us to set your mind on things above, right? If, if you've got one foot on the first rung and one foot on the ground, you're not in a real good place. In fact, I, I would say you're in a questionable place in your life. Start climbing that ladder. Get on up there. I have been exposed, folks, in the last two months to a Christianity that I have not seen in America, right? One, and I guess I had been, I didn't really notice, but one of them was this man, Warren Cuppy. They just did his funeral yesterday. Warren Cuppley, Cuppy is a man who um, was the pastor at Du Church for years. And he passed away. And, uh, but Warren, he lived hand to mouth. He was a uh, gifted engineer, could have made probably several figures a year and not had any, he chose to stay in the ministry. He was the co-pastor, the, the Providence Church for the homeless people here in Idaho Falls. He truly lived his life on the top rung. Warren did. I met another pastor this week that, uh, actually, he, he pastors a church, but then he is the head uh, over a a home for kids. And uh, he lives on the top rung. He's willing to give his life for those kids. His uh, five armed gunmen came to their their orphanage and um, took his wife captive, tied her up, took his two sons, 11-year-old twins, tied them up. Five gunmen. They didn't abuse them, they just wanted a, a ransom. And so the, the husband, the pastor, was out of this. He was in the States actually when it happened. And, uh, and he told us that he had talked to his wife out. He says, Should we quit doing this? He says, If we quit doing this, these kids have nothing. God has called us to give our lives for this. That is Christianity living on the top rung, right? Yeah, the wind comes along and you think, oh, no, I'm going to die. Well, you might. But this, is, this ministry that I'm with, uh, talking about, this pastor, they, 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 they have chaplains that they cha- train in Africa. And as they train these chaplains in Africa, they've lost 70 chaplains in the last what, eight or nine years. They've lost 70 chaplains. But these chaplains have a Bible in one hand and an AR in the other. And their, their job is to protect women and children. They man a compound where women and children who have been, um, their villages have been raided. And they kill all the men. And they'll, they'll take the, the, the little boys, the little girls, and the women captive. They rape and abuse the women and the girls. And then they'll, they'll, uh, they'll promote the little boys to carry a gun and be in their army. They'll make them shoot people, sometimes their own family members. And when they train these chaplains, they train them with a, with a gun, and a, a machine gun, and the, 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 um, the training is, is, is kind of important. When they first started training, they had to do some adjustments because the first few firefights they got in, when the enemy was to overtake them, they would take off running. They would retreat. And the, the people from America that were training he says, because they, they, they too are living on the top rung, he says, you never retreat, ever. He says, for every one of the enemy that you take down, you may be saving one little girl or one woman from abuse for their whole life. You keep shooting until you're dead, until they kill you. You get to go to heaven You get to go to heaven and God will send somebody else to take your place. Don't you ever retreat. That's the life Jesus has called you and me to. Where are you at? Where are we at? I don't know about you, but I'm pathetic. I mean absolutely pathetic in comparison. So my prayer is that the Lord would fire us up, right? Truly help us to lay down our lives. Three things I want to close with, right? First, know this, God is gracious. God was gracious to Jacob. Jacob was a bonehead. He wasn't getting it, but he will. He will. It's going to take him 20 years. He thinks it's just a quick trip, get him a bride and come back to mom and dad. It takes 20 years and his mother never sees him again, right? God is gracious. Know that God is gracious. God is full of grace and mercy. The fact that God would allow you and me to go to heaven is grace enough for me. I hope it is for you. God told the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. If you don't understand that, come talk to me. I'll try to walk you through it. Right? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. This is a scripture that I say at a lot of funerals. Right, But we see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. It was the grace of God that Jesus died for you. Because we sure don't deserve it. Secondly, God is faithful. God is gracious. Secondly, God is faithful. Second Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Even that that means taking an AR and shooting until you're dead, he's faithful. Lamentations, I love this. Chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Bible says that God's faithful even when you and I aren't. How many times have you not been faithful? And yet he remains faithful. Number three, God always gets his way, or should I say, gets his will. God's going to get his will done, with or without you. Why, let's, let's jump on the bandwagon, right? Let's do it God's way, right? Let's find ourselves on that top rung, taking all the chances, knowing that our hand, our breath, everything that we are, are in the hands of an almighty God, El Shaddai, Last scripture, Isaiah 43, 15 and 16. I am the Lord, he tells us, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus says the Lord who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters. No matter what kind of storm you're in, God's gonna get you through. It's his will. It's his will that you would be with him. The only thing that can trump the will of God is your will. And we're going to see in the next few chapters how God very slowly shapes the will of this person that we know today as Israel, Jacob, and teaches him to live on the top rung of the way to heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promise of heaven, Lord, we get to go there. And though I know we shouldn't hasten it, Lord, sometimes it's pretty appealing. And so, Lord, we just ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. The only way to climb that ladder, to yoke up with Jesus, so to speak, is to live our lives on the top rung, where it seems shaky and not sure what tomorrow brings, but it forces us to walk by faith and not by sight. And there's some here today lord that they're not walking by faith they're walking by what they've seen or maybe they're even staying in a place that they've been wounded and they're just licking their wounds they're not giving them to you you tell us to cast all our cares upon you for you care for us lord we thank you so much for this opportunity right now and if that's you and you know that you need to go deeper be on that top rung walking by faith and not by sight having a tender heart before your God that he might do something with your life to change the world around you in which you live and the influence that you have that's you I want you to stand to your feet right now I want to pray for you that God would help you be that person God bless you guys and I'm standing with you, man. I, I am, I'm desperate. Desperate for him today. More going to be to more desperate tomorrow. Father, I just want to thank you right now for all these standing. Lord, I'm standing with them and I need I need your Holy Spirit. I need you to forgive me for my own Sin and failure. Laziness. Wanting to be content and wanting an easy life. And you haven't called us to an easy life. You've called us to a committed life. Lord, help us to prove our commitment. By naming you. By standing for you. By being all that you've called us to be. Laying it all down. In losing our lives, we find our lives. I pray for these people that I've met just recently, Lord, that are they're truly, their life is in danger every single day of being snuffed out. And yet what a glory to your name for those who stand strong. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Wash, wash, wash our souls with the truth of your word. Stir up a hunger in us, maybe that we've never had before. To draw near to you, to seek your word, to know that it's, it's truly your word is spirit and it is life. Help us to be right there with you, the one who has gone before us. Truly you are the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' holy name, amen, amen. So I'll stand, we'll worship. you need prayer, the prayer team will be right over here. Please come up and